G'day friends, welcome back, I'm back, I was abroad for three weeks, nice little holiday in America, a few days in London there at the end, but I'm back, I did my best to keep up to date uh, with the footy, I watched what I could, didn't have a whole heap of free time, um, same with this weekend, I was, as this weekend's uh, round of footy was happening, I was travelling back from the UK, so again, I haven't caught all of it, but I've caught uh, a good a good chunk. Um, what a round of footy. Round 11, Doug Nichols round part two. What a round of footy. If you got more, if you got four or more in the tips, well done. <laughs> you, unless you're the kiss of death, I don't think you did that <laughs> because it was just upset city. Saturday was crazy. Saturday was bananas. So we had, obviously, the Saints and Hawthorne game, and then we had the three games in a row decided by seven points, all going the opposite way to what was expected. It, uh, it was just crazy. It, like, even even Friday night, I, I'm... Oh, very noisy truck going past. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. Um, I'm very happy with my pick from Friday because I did pick the Swans. Um, so I thought I was doing really well, but that's about where it stopped. And then I made the silly decision of switching from Port Adelaide to Richmond just before that game because I was like, oh, no, the week Richmond have had, they're definitely going to win. They're going to win for Dimmer. And they didn't. <laughs> fuck. Oh, I was like, fuck. Anyway, fantastic round of footy. You usually get one of these rounds of footy a year where it's just, where like, a bunch of teams get totally blindsided and just lose out of nowhere. Um, and it's always so exciting, it, it, especially for it to come at this point in the season where we're at, where some of these teams were at. Like the, the dogs had been riding this wave. They've won a bunch of games in a row. They're looking awesome, heading towards the top four, and then they dropped this game to the Suns. Frio, a month ago, they were done. And now they've, what are they, won three or four in a row? And now they've beaten the Ds at the G again. Second year in a row they've done that. That was amazing. You think a few weeks ago, you think, oh, the Cats are going great. They're right back in it. Now, all of a sudden, they've lost three in a row again. And they're in a bit of trouble. So, like, you know, the Saints, you, you, you just pencil them in to beat the Hawks. And then they fucking don't. I'm going to get to them right away. Uh, for the intro, so oh, it's just it, it's it's bordering on turning the season on its head, really. Like teams like the Suns and the Swans, who are really out of reach of the top eight, and now like you know may maybe in reach. Like the Suns are interesting, aren't they? Oh, it's going to be so, like this. The next four games for them are massive, and it, you know it will determine whether or not they can stay within reach of sneaking into the top eight. They're fascinating to watch. Same with the Swans, fascinating to watch. Adelaide beat, oh man, awesome round of footy. I am back. Let's get into it. Superstar, 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 superstar. How does it, um, how does it work? 
First up, let's talk about St Kilda. <laughs> St Kilda and Hawthorne. Hawthorne kicking the last five goals of the game, getting the job done by 10 points. Fuck. That wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> oh, God. So this happened while I was in the air. Um, I was on the last leg of my journey home uh, and I was flying and then this game happened while I was while I was flying. Um, oh, just not fair. Why does St Kilda have to do this to me? <laughs> Why? Like, it was Hawthorne. You just had to win this game, but they were terrible for most of it. The third quarter, we were pretty good. Like third quarters where we got on top, and then just the the last bit of the game, just letting five goals through in a row, and Higgins, poor Higgins, drops that mark, and oh man, oh, it's just a disaster. It's a disaster. It's definitely not alarm bells for the season overall, um, but it's not good. Like we we hadn't been playing great probably the last month. Um, like we had the bad loss against Adelaide, got the job job done against the Giants. Um, I can't even remember who we played before Adelaide. Was that North? Uh, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, not not doing too hot, but oh, gee, we just had to win this game, and it was it was worrying to see that just before the game started, Ross was being interviewed and he talked about like players having half their mind on their holiday for the bye and then that's exactly what happened you could see it the effort was pathetic that just everything fell apart in so many ways and ah man just what it seems like has happened it seems to be mental with St Kilda right so the first like I don't know six or eight weeks of the season um, we, you know, we were missing a lot of players, so we really had to play, just had to go hell for leather. Just the effort had to be a hundred, the, the pressure had to be a hundred, the system had to be a hundred. We didn't have all of our best players out there. So the ones that were out there had to work so hard and that's how we beat, you know, Fremantle and the Bulldogs and Gold Coast by 50 points or whatever we beat them by, we beat Carlton, you know, we beat a very good giant side in Sydney. So, you know, winning all these games. But now that we've, like, we've basically got our best team available now. Owen's missed this week with concussion. Um, and there's a couple of questions on whether memory's in our best team is, you know, there's, there's one or two who you could, you know, question and, you know, now Clark's going to miss a few games with his MCL, um, but we're pretty close to our best side. Pretty close. Um, so now it seems like the effort has just evaporated because, I don't know, we got, we got our best players on the park. We don't have to try as hard. And this is what happens. This is what happens. And I don't want to take anything away from Hawthorne because they were excellent. They were very, very good. As I've said many times, they are playing the right way. And this time next year, they're going to be going brilliantly. You can see it, right? Um, Sicily. I will touch on Sicily briefly. What a fucking performance that was. Like, just... Hawthorne's pressure 
made us play into Sicily's hands, right? Their pressure around the ball made us bomb it long, which just made his life so easy. He's just marking everything. What, he ended up with 43 touches or something? Like, just in 20-something intercepts, 11 intercept marks. Just unbelievable. Unbelie- and he went at 90% or something. Like, he just had an unbelievable game. One of the best games from a defender I can remember seeing. And it's always just so great when you watch an opposition player have the best game of their career against you. It's just great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well done to James Sicily and, and to the Hawks. Like, they deserve to win. We didn't deserve to win this game. Like, it's not just the last 10 minutes or so where they, you know, kicked all those goals. Most of the first half, we, they were better than us. They couldn't kick very straight, which helped us. But, God, their pressure was so good just around the ball, the contest. Just looking at the outnumbered, at the out, like the, the how many Hawthorne players were right around the ball every time. And all the St. Kilda players are hanging back on the outside expecting us to win the ball. It was bloody hard to watch. It was a mess. It was a real mess. Um, we're all over the place in that aspect of the, of the game. It's not good at all. Um, we're also having a lot of trouble. Well, it was sort of brought on by how good Hawthorne's pressure was, but kicking long inside 50 can be okay. And it worked a little bit for us in the third quarter, but when it's King, Caminiti and Sharman, it it's messy because Caminiti and Sharman kind of don't know what to do. Like, you know, they, they were getting in each other's way and they were getting in King's way. And it was like, there was a number of times where it was just the three of them and each of their defenders all clumped together, which is never going to work. Um, it was just a little bit messy. So in a minute, I'll talk about the solution that there could be to, to that. And there's a lot of Saints fans are unhappy with the sort of selection decisions that have been made. And it's related to that as well but yeah I'm, I'm not happy with where our effort's been at lately um not wrapped with how howard's going gresham's another one ross was a little bit better this week but he's had a pretty poor month as well um very happy with a few things very very happy with how wangan in milir is going um, he's actually playing some unbelievable football at the moment. He's been awesome. His last fortnight has been unbelievable. King's last fortnight. So he came back last week, kicked four goals, and then kicked another four goals this week. So he's he's been fantastic. Burns, I thought, was excellent. He's had he's had some quieter games and some less quiet games, but overall his season so far has been excellent. His effort has not really dropped off at all. Marshall's having a very good year, and Crouch is having a very, very good year as well. Um, if Crouch played for a different team, I think he'd get a little bit more recognition. But he, like every single week, he's good for 25 touches, 10 contested possessions, and five tackles, at least, in all of those categories. Um, he, he's, he's having a great, great year. Um, so with selection, a lot of people not happy with how many weeks Windhag has been in the VFL. Um, now with Clark, he's, he's gonna, well, he'll be out for four to six, but we got the bye this week. So he'll miss what three to five games. 
Um, so with him going going out, Windhager has to come in. It can't be Bytel. Don't bring Bytel in. I think that's a mistake. Windhager comes in. Give him an opportunity, right? Um, it, it, it worries me. Post-game, Ross said this is an exploration year, which is, if we're being honest, is true. Um, this year, even even if we can, even if we end up making the eight and have a very good year, we're not winning the premiership this year. It's not happening. Probably not winning it next year either. We're being honest. Um, so he, he's finding out what he's got, which is fine. Um, but how do you find out what you've got if you play the same players every week? How how does that work? He. You know, he actually finally gave us some sort of an answer as to why Windhag has been in the VFL, which is all well and good. Um, but, like, th- there's uh, just... You have to... As, as much as you have to reward them doing the right thing in the twos, you need to punish the wrong thing being done in the ones. You need to like, like Gresham. Gresham is such a good player, but you know if he continues to be out of form, he need, you need to think about dropping him. You've got Billings playing in the twos, and he's played some pretty good games and some pretty not good games in the VFL. But you've got to think about bringing him in. He's he's played one hundred and fifty games, whatever he's played. Like he's an experienced player. He's a very good kick. He's a little bit different to Gresham, but. You know, he, he can play that sort of same half-forward role, right? Um, you've, you've got Cordy, who, you know, has played key forward and key back. Um, you know, there is an option. I'm not sure about where Howard sits at the moment. Does Howard need a little bit of time out of the, out of the team? Maybe bring Cordy in. Do you need the three talls? Do we need Wilkie and Battle and Howard? The risk is without Howard, you've got no one who's over 195 centimeters, which can get exposed if you've got you know a real you know if you've got big key forwards you've got to deal with. So you know, do you do something like like the way that Sharman and Caminiti were sort of getting in each other's way and getting in King's way? And you got Membry playing in the twos. He didn't come back after he got concussed. So, you know, Ross isn't happy with something that he's doing as well. Membry knows how to do all of that, right? He's a, he's not the most amazing forward ever, but he is experienced and he is reliable, right? And he's he's a smart footballer. He, he knows what to do, right? Here's what I would do, Yeah. And, and obviously, Ross, it seems like he wants more height in the forward line. He's not satisfied with just King and Membry, yeah? Because he's persisting with Caminiti, who I think he's going to be a player. There's something just about him. He's, he's done not really much in any of his games to suggest he's going to be amazing, but there's just something about the way that he plays that I really like and I think has got a lot of potential. So he's persisting with Caminiti, and then he's, you know, on a couple of occasions gone with Sharman. He went with Sharman as the sub this week. Oh, I, I don't know. Like, Sharman is okay, but I don't know. Like, this year he hasn't played very well at all. So, if he wants height, an option that he's got 
especially with Howard being out of form, is maybe you go King, Membry, and Howard in the forward line. Howard's got a little bit of history as a forward. It's been a little while now. But he he is getting goals kicked on him like nobody's business the last few weeks. He's, he's really costing us heavily on the scoreboard at the moment. Yeah, He's still getting plenty of the ball and he's using it okay. But as a defender who's meant to stop a, a, his direct opponent from kicking goals, he's not been, he's not had a good month. So do you throw him forward for a couple of weeks and maybe just let Battle and Wilkie have a go on their own? And then maybe if you find a game getting out of hand, you throw him back down there for a bit of extra height. You know, like just change it up a little bit. And and or you know, there's other options like Tom Highmore, who's another medium-sized defender who could come in for a bit of height, um, you know, there's just other options for almost every position on the ground at the moment. So it's one thing I hope, like if, if this really is an exploration year, you can't see what your list is like when it's playing in the VFL. Like Windhager's ripping shit apart in the VFL. He won't do that in in the AFL, but you you got to see how he goes. Maybe, maybe you can be a... For the time being, while he's still developing as a player, maybe he becomes like an like a low twenties averaging midfielder, which is fine. You know, if he can have twenty three and five tackles, and you know, like just th- that's something serviceable. Like that's what Clark's doing. Clark's you know most of the time having sort of low to mid twenties, and you know, like on a, on a good day, he's having ten contested possessions. Like he's not kicking goals. He's not doing anything amazing, but he's just he's fulfilling a role. And I think Windhager can do that. That like Ross mentioned him by name in that very, very first press conference back in October. And he's like, gee, that, that Windhager can play or whatever it is he can say. So I don't, I don't know why he's just left him in the twos all this time. I don't know. It's it's hard. Like we should st- like gee whiz, even more so than last year after the Baha'i. We should make the eight this year. We got a pretty easy draw. Like you look ahead and you could pencil us in for anywhere between six and nine wins. Like if we get another six and our percentage stays good, we probably get in. Get another seven wins and we're in pretty safely, you'd think. Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's just some things that need to be fixed up over the bye. For sure. We got Sydney at the SCG after the week off, which is going to be interesting. We should win that game. If we don't win that game, then I think we got troubles. I'm I'm fascinated to see who Ross selects coming out of the bye. Anyway, gotta move on. Can't talk about St. Kilda for forever. Let's talk about the game of the round. It was Adelaide and Brisbane. This was amazing. I knew it was gonna be a good game. I did not expect Adelaide to win because Brisbane had been on fire in the lead up. Um, so this is a really, really impressive performance by the Crows. Really, really impressive. Um, I, I don't know how you defend this forward line that they've put together. They got the big boys, Tex, Phil Thorpe, Fogarty, all very dangerous. You know, you don't need all three of them to have a big day. You can just have one or two of them. To play really well and they can just kill you. And then you got the little guys. You got Rochelle, 
and Rankin, who again, if you stop one of them, that's great, but then the other one's going to kill you. They are both so dangerous. They combined for 20 score involvements on the weekend. The two of them combined, 20 score involvements, not to mention the goals that they were kicking on their own. Um, they each kicked a goal of the year contender in this in this game. They were unbelievable. They are just so dangerous when, when they've got the ball inside 50. I don't know what the numbers are, but I would say the number of times they score when it goes inside 50 would be pretty high, would be my estimation. And their ball movement as well. This is something like... The, the the recruiting of Jordan Dawson, not to mention Rankin, but Jordan Dawson, Dawson specifically, a couple of years ago now, just brilliant. Because I know he's only one player, but his kicking is so good. And it seems to have just diffused out into, into his teammates because now their ball use is amazing. The way they move the ball is really, really hard to defend. St Kilda found that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it's just, they are so good to watch at the moment, Adelaide. They are so good to watch. Um, I don't know how far they're going to get this year, but they have got serious potential to be damaging in September. They should make it now. The way they're playing, I know they're on the 8th. Um, well, they might have got to 7th. After this game, I don't know. They're just in. They're just in the eight. Um, they should stay in. Now, like, if this is the football they can play, they they're going to beat most teams now for the rest of the year. That like they shouldn't lose at home. Again, there's no way they lose in Adelaide again this year. There's just no way. Um, oh, I don't know if they have another um, another showdown. If they have another showdown. That'd be good. That'd be a great game. But if not, yeah, there's no way they lose at home again this year. They are, they are playing just so well. They had a mulligan last week. Mulligan's popular word at the moment. <laughs> they had a mulligan last week in Ballarat against the Dogs. Um, but gee, now they're just they're going awesome. Be interesting game against the Suns. That'll be a challenge for them up in Darwin. That'll be good. Um, any worries for Brisbane out of this game? Ah, uh, gee. Not really. I don't think, like, it's going to be tough for everybody to go to Adelaide and play Adelaide, so it's okay that they lost. A little bit of a worry is um, Hipwood and Gunston in this game. Gunston's had an okay year. Um, you know, he's sort of figuring things out at his new club, but in this game, they, they combined for three behinds uh, from eight disposals, and together they had five score involvements. So... Um, really, really poor from the two of them. Hipwood, I, I, I don't rate Eric Hipwood at all. I think he's not a good player. I think he just, like, once every six weeks, he'll bob up and kick five goals. But then just outside of that, he's, he just seems to always be really quiet. Um, he seems to just get by because Danaher often plays really well. And, can, like, Brisbane... Very, very reliant on Cameron and Danaher kicking goals at the moment. Very reliant, which is not what you want. Like you compare, like you'd say Brisbane and Adelaide have got two of the best forward line setups in the competition, right? But you look at Adelaide, and as I mentioned, you look at their big guys and you say, oh, Tex, Philthorpe, Fogarty, you know, 
it's rare that, you know, there'll be a week where all three of them are going amazing. So most weeks it'll be one or two of them. Um, but, you know, there's, there's always, you know, there's never a long period where any of them are out of form. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like compare that dynamic to the Brisbane big boys dynamic. Like it's now Gunston, Hipwood, Danaher. Yeah. Like it's Danaher has been playing really, really well the last six weeks or so after he was heavily criticized. Hipwood has not. And Gunston's sort of been okay here. And he's sort of, you can sort of let him off because he's figuring out his new club and, and all that. He's an older player. Um, but they gotta they gotta be firing. Like between Gunston, Hipwood, Danaher, you wanna have at least five goals a week from those three. At least. You know what I mean? So that's the one worry I'd have for the Lions. And also Harris Andrews had a very, 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 very quiet day um on the weekend thing and five touches. That was it. So not very good. Uh back to Friday night. Sydney and the Blues, one of the more anticipated games of the round. I don't know why everyone was tipping Carlton. I actually don't know why. Um, they've been horrible. <laughs> they've been terrible for, for weeks. And Sydney haven't been very good either, but they've been playing better than Carlton have, a good bit better. And, uh, gee, there was a lot of pressure on Carlton for this game. People were tipping them, very like a lot of build-up internally. Um, you know, all, like the... The whole fucking club went up to Sydney basically to watch this game. You know, there's been all the issues with the board member who went crazy in the rooms after the game and now he stood down. And there's just, oh, there's all these issues. And then, you know, it all culminated in six goals, 15 in this game. Friday night, game that they definitely had the opportunity to win, six goals, 15. They've lost, what did they lose by in the end? 26 points. Not good. This is this isn't like a team that's a little bit off. Blues are well off, well off. And just and just while I'm on the sort of off field stuff that's happening, the stuff with Cripps and Doherty in the hotel room. When I was watching the couch on Monday, and they mentioned that, I got up and made myself a tea because I was like, ah. Oh, this, this will be something they'll talk about for three seconds and discard because it's nonsense, right? There is There was no way in a million years that that was a serious story. Are you kidding me? Who? All these adults, these grown-ups in the AFL, these serious people were like, oh yeah, this ha- this I believe this, this happened. Right, the the captain of this club, who's th- th- this club that is struggling so hard and is under the most pressure of out of all the clubs in the AFL, is like, oh no, I'm gonna stay at a different hotel to all my teammates, and everything will be fine. No one will hear about it, and it won't be an issue. It, it, to, like, I can't. I can't believe how many like people actually took this one hundred percent seriously. It got. It blew so out of proportion. And and so what apparently has happened is, Caro got it from some other journalist that she trusted. Um. So and I, th- I think she's the one who technically broke it. Um. My God, what a fucking. 
where was the cross-checking there from anybody? How, how did it take the club and Paddy Cripps himself having to come out and defend themselves for this story to get stopped? It's unbelievable. Can you actually imagine, like, it's, let's say it's true. Why? Let's say it was true, right? Let's let this play out, right? So I believe the story was supposedly that it was Cripps and Doherty had chosen to stay in a different hotel. A fancier hotel, I think, was the story. Why? I, you think they're you think they're falling out with their teammates? Do you think that's what's fucking like? What the fuck? Who actually thought this was serious? This is crazy to me. It's crazy. And of course, what it was is that because, um, well, not because of a buy. I don't know why I was going to say that, but you know, just because after the team had stayed the two nights in the hotel and played their game. Those two guys stayed at a different hotel with their families before they came home. That's because the hotel the team stayed at would have been paid for by the club and organized by the club. These two guys like, oh, we're going to stay an extra night with our families. So, you know, it's the club's like, yeah, that's fine. You go somewhere else though. Like, that's just like, oh, it just, this, what a waste of everyone's fucking time, right? And what... The abs- like, if it is Caro's fault at the end, she should probably stand down. I'm not just saying that because I don't like her. <laughs> like, this club is struggling enough as it is. So to to accuse the captain of something like this, just when the club is about as low as it could be. Just the sheer pathetic desperation for a scoop is disgusting. She needs to publicly apologize, not just like Channel 9 or whoever it is that released, you know, whatever. Just, oh my God. It just blew my fucking mind. That whole, that whole 24 hours where the story was out and then they had to retract and and, and poor Paddy Cripps had to post that thing. Oh, he should be angry. He should be apoplectic he should be furious i'm furious for him because of just the absurdity of the story and the fact that everyone just ran with it ah fucking crazy um oh so the blues are a mess (laughs) The, the blues are just they can't they can't even get lucky with things that aren't true (laughs) so um they got melbourne this week that's going to be interesting because Melbourne aren't doing too great at the moment either. Um, Sydney, what about the Lizard? What about Nick Blakey? What about the way he stood up as like their number one defender all of a sudden? Gee, the game he played and the way he's played the last few weeks has been excellent. But gee, this game against the Blues, he ripped them apart. And it, the, the, there's something just... He's a very unique sort of player. And just watching him take the ball and just go for a run and just the way he scampers about. It's so entertaining. I really like him a lot. Um, and yeah, Sydney definitely needed this win. Needed a big time. Um, other Sydney-related news is Paddy McCartan's done for the year with the concussion stuff. Put him on the inactive list so they can go to the mid-season draft, obviously. Um, I just, ah, man, I think he's done. I think he's not playing any more football. I think he's done. Um, I just hope... 
I mean, I don't really give a shit if he does or doesn't ever play football again. That's not really what's important. What's important that he's just okay. He could play more football and be okay. That's fine. Um, I just, I just hope he's okay because it's no, it's no joke. This concussion stuff, this CTE stuff, it's very, very far from a joke. So, yeah, I just hope that long, long, long-term sort of stuff, he's okay. Melbourne and Fremantle, or Nam and Wadjalup, I should say. Um, second year in a row, Fremantle have done this. Round 11 this year, round 11 last year. They've got them at the MCG. Last year, Melbourne hadn't lost a game yet, so it's a little bit different. But, you know, t- twice in a row, Fremantle have gone to the G and beaten Melbourne. So it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, and I think you can say they're on. Now, they they have successfully turned their season completely around. It's been pretty unbelievable. Like, they basically did it in a fortnight. Like, I thought it was going to take them like six weeks to totally change the way they were playing. It took them a fortnight. And now I think that, they've yeah, like I said before, they won three or four games in a row. So, oh, just well done. Well done on... Well done to Justin Longmuir, really. Like, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do. Just totally flip the trajectory of their season because they were plummeting. They were in real trouble. And now they're taking all before them for the most part. So, well done, Fremantle. Um, Well done, Jaya Miss on Rising Star nomination. Fremantle fans were sort of like, oh, finally, when he got the nomination. I'm pretty sure he got one last year as well. Um, but no, well done to him. Luke Jackson's been playing very, very well in the in this ruck forward role. He's going to be the solo ruck for a few weeks because Darcy's done his hamstring. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to be as damaging because he's been kicking goals basically every week. So... Whether he's going to be able to continue to do that when he's spending more time in the middle, who knows? That'll be very interesting. Um, but it shouldn't affect Fremantle's form too much because it's these it's the Sarongs and the Brayshaws who have really stepped up. Fife's been pretty good since he's come back in. Their forward line's going quite well. Their back line's going quite well. So, yeah, they've, they've really turned their season around, Fremantle. Um, I couldn't be more impressed. Melbourne, Melbourne. Do Melbourne sort of lack a really good system? Are they too reliant on just being a team of stars rather than a star team, as people say? Because, you know, Oliver goes out and they've lost two games in a row, right? Their, their, their forward line is strange to me. They've, they're, they're going with Grundy, Van Ruyen, Ruyen? Royan and Tom McDonald. You got Ben Brown, Ben Brown playing in the VFL. He's fit and healthy. He's playing in the twos. That is strange. I know, like, very happy to be playing Van Ruyen. That's fine. Ben Ryan, I've forgotten which one it is. Um, that's fine. McDonald, that's fine, I guess. But, like, I don't know. It just. That combo, this is an issue that they've had for most of the last two or three years, you know, which is, it's a good problem to have, you know, do do you go with 
Fritch and McDonald and Brown or blah, 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 blah. Like, what do you do? And now they've added Grundy into this. You know, how does he fit in? Where does Gorn go? So, you know, it's a good problem for them to have. Um, but, gee, I just think, God, you've got to be playing Ben Brown. Yeah, like, out of McDonald, Van Royen and Brown, Brown's the best player out of the three of them. He's the best. I know he's not been in the best form. He's not. No one's perfect. But he's the best player. you got to have him in. You gotta have him. You gotta have your two Ruckmans, that's fine. Um so so one of McDonald or Van Royen can't be there. You gotta have Ben Browning. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Not having him in. Um They haven't got the easiest draw. Nam for the second half of the year. They, they, they gotta watch out because they could miss the top four. They missed the top four, they're not winning the premiership this year. They gotta sort of switch their shit back on a little bit. And, um, yeah, really, really stay on top of their, their shit. And because, you know, at their best, they're, you know, second or third best team in the competition. Well, maybe, you know, it's hard, it's hard now to say, because Port are doing pretty well. Port are doing really good. Brisbane are doing really good, except for this weekend. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because we've got a clear, clear, clear number one in Collingwood. But then, and probably at the moment, a clear number two in Port Adelaide. So then where do Brisbane and Melbourne sit? That's the question. And that's, it's really interesting to watch. It's really interesting. But yeah, well, yeah, the big worry for me is this forward setup that they're going with. They're going to be fine in the middle because Oliver will come back and then it's going to be Oliver and Petrarca and Viney and Gorn again, just fucking everybody to pieces. But then once they get the ball, what's happening up forward? What's going on? It can't be it can't be Cozzy Pickett and Fritch kicking all your goals. That's not going to work. So that's something they've got to really got to figure out. Let's talk about Geelong and the Giants. This, along with probably St Kilda and Hawthorne, was the most surprising game of the round. Like Geelong hadn't been playing awesome, but to go to Geelong and beat Geelong is the hardest thing to do in football. And we all found out after this game finished, this is the third time in the row that the Giants have done this. The last three times they've been to Geelong, they've won, which I can't believe. I don't know if a team's ever done that. <laughs> I'd be amazed if a team has ever done that. So that's super impressive. That's super impressive um, by the Giants. It was Toby Green's 200th game. Um, he's just, you know, top three player in the competition, probably. He's he's standalone captain this year, and he's playing about as well as he ever has. He kicked four goals in this game. He was enormous. Um, yeah, God, I'm so, I'm just so impressed with the Giants and how they've been going about it all year. Like there there has not been, except when Carlton blew Carlton, definitely not Carlton, except for when Collingwood smashed them. They've been competitive in every single game, which is is pretty impressive. Young team, new coach, you lose Taranto, you lose Hopper. Um, it, it's seriously impressive. Seriously impressive what they've been able to do. Like, compare them to the team above them on the ladder in Carlton, right? So they are separated by the two points that Carlton got from their draw in round one. So they've, they've each won, what, four games, right? Four games apiece is what they've won. Say say they were playing each other this week. Who are you tipping? 
the Giants by a mile. If you were to really think about it, like think, let's say you had to pick one of them who was more likely to make finals from here. Obviously, neither of them are making finals from here. <laughs> but say you had to say, which one of them is more likely? It's the Giants by a mile which is crazy to think. It's crazy, but just the way they're playing is the correct way. Kingsley's doing the right thing. He's obviously extremely stressed about all of it, which is okay, <laughs> um, but he's, yeah, he's doing all the right things. And yeah, they're just... I, th oh, I think the Giants are like one of the, the feel-good stories of the year because I just didn't expect them to do this. Like Even th their older guys... Canelio, Whitfield, they're, they're playing really well. Hogan's playing pretty well. Haynes has been playing well. So just well done to, to Greater Western Sydney because I did not expect them to be this good this year. Um, this is what I was talking about a few months ago with Geelong. This is exactly what I thought was going to happen, right? So they lost their first three, and I was on them. I was like, oh, man, they're not winning another game for the rest of the year. They're fucking done. And then they won five in a row. And I was like, oh, fuck, they're back. They're winning the premiership. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, I was actually saying, fuck, they're making me look like an idiot. I need them to start losing some games, and they did. They've lost another three now. This is sort of what I thought was going to happen. You know, maybe they play sort of okay first half of the year, and they have. They won five in a row. Um, but now they're, they're coming up to the bye. I think they got their bye next week. Um, I don't know who they have. Who have they got this week? Are they going to win this week? Let's have a quick look. Because, so what are they? They're five and six now. They're five and six. They got the dogs at Marvel. I think the dogs will win that. So they could go five and seven. They could go five and seven. Five and seven, they're not playing finals. If they go six and six, a chance still. But th this is what I'm saying, right? From either way, from here, it's an enormous amount of effort to get to a premiership. It is an, an, an unbelievable amount of effort to get from where they are to that. And given they've just won one and they're all 36 years old, it will be way too much. It'll be way too much. They will still be kind of hard to beat at home. Um, everywhere else against every other team, they will be vulnerable. Unless they're playing like the Eagles or something. But you know, you get, you get what I'm saying. Um, th they will begin to drop off. We will see it. It will be clear um, that they won't be within reaching distance of the top eight with a month to go in the season. They'll be done by then, is what I'm saying. Um, hopefully they don't, again, make me look like a fool and win another five games straight from here. What is Deconing wearing on his face? What is that? What is this Batman mask he's wearing on his face? I'm sorry. It looks ridiculous. It looks like he can't see. It looks like he's covering his, his entire face with that stupid thing. Oh, any wrestling fans out there might remember the the um the pretty boy phase that Cody Rhodes went through, where he's like, "I have the most genetically perfect face that you can't touch my face," and he wore that see through mask, that plastic mask over his face. He's like, "I have to protect my face." Anyone remember that? That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> it just looks fucking silly. Oh, it looks fucking silly. All right. 
let's talk about the Suns and the Dogs. I'm loving the way the Suns are going about it at the moment. Just Stuart Jew backing himself in. How fucking good was that? And then they come out and do this against the Dogs, who are about as hot as anyone over the last, you know, little bit. Raul has, you know, he's now one of the best players in the competition. Matt Raul, just, he had, I think, 29 and 23 of them were contested. He's having like 10 tackles a week. He's kicking a goal every week. He's unbelievable. The little grass munching freak. Um, Humphrey, oh, God, he's playing unbelievably well for, you know, what was he, pick, pick six? He's... If he continues on this trajectory, he's actually going to win the Rising Star. I think at the moment, he's playing as well as Ashcroft is. Maybe even better. And Sheasel's sort of dropped off the last few weeks as well. So um, Humphrey's been amazing. Lacocious, five goals, all from two metres out. But that's like, that's, you take them where you get them. That's, that's no issue. Um, so yeah, they're just... They're doing awesome. The, the bugger is, the upsetting part is they've actually got a pretty hard draw for the rest of the year. So, you know, they they might make finals. They will need to improve a little bit and have a couple more upsets. Um, so they can do it from here. I don't think they probably do. So what I will say about the Suns for now is next year is no excuses time. Next year is finals or bust. I don't care what Stuart Dew says about himself, what they say about him, what anyone says about anybody, about anything. Next year has to be finals or bust. When you look at this list that they put together, the amount of talent that they have at their disposal, it's got to be finals. I don't care if Ben King and Matt Rowell and Jack Lukosius all break their legs in half in February. They have to... That would be crazy. And they wouldn't make finals if that happened. But you know what I'm saying. They absolutely have to make finals next year. They might even do it this year, but that would be incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, the Dogs, this is fine. This It shit happens. They'd lost to a good team. That's fine. They weren't that bad. They weren't great. They were definitely, they didn't definitely didn't play as well as they had probably the last month, but that's okay. That's okay. You're not going to play your best every week. Um, you're not going to win every week. They didn't lose by much. Um, they just got beaten by a team who was better than them on the day, and that's fine. Um, I cannot wait for two weeks' time, Dogs and Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. That's going to be a good game. I think it's the I think it's Thursday or Friday night. Um, not this week coming, but next week. So that'll be fantastic game indeed. Uh, Richmond versus Port Adelaide. So obviously Richmond had a very big week last week with their legendary coach hanging up the boots. Um, extremely emotionally taxing, I'm sure it was um, last week. So really good effort to get within 10 points of Port Adelaide. I actually thought they were going to get up, as I said before, so then they didn't, so they fucking let me down. Um but no, really well done. Um, well, good good on Andrew McWalter, ex-Saint, um, getting the temporary gig. So well done to him. Um, yeah, it's it, this this is the end of the era year for Richmond. So Hardwick's gone. 
Rewalt and Cochin will go at the end of this year. Who knows what's going to happen with Dusty, whether he sort of just goes, yeah, I've probably had enough at the end of this year. I don't know. He's definitely playing well enough, definitely playing well enough to continue on. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but this this group of players isn't playing in a premiership again. No, they're, they're, they're a rebuild away now from another attempt at a grand final, I would say. So um, it's rough on Taranto and Hopper. They, they will probably see finals before they retire, but whether Richmond are back up, you know, contending again in the next six years or seven years before those two are done, who knows? Um it's hard to say. Sometimes teams bounce back up pretty quickly. Sometimes it does take around that five or six year mark. So it'll be interesting to see. Definitely not what they expected coming to Richmond this year. They didn't expect that halfway through the coach would be gone and they'd they'd have, what, I got three wins, three and a half wins. Jesus. <laughs> Richmond have three and a half wins. That's crazy. That is crazy. Speaking of Taranto and, and Hopper, though, Taranto uh, is... All Australian right now. He, he's playing unbelievable football. Four goals on the weekend to go with 33 touches or something. like. He's, he is one of the best midfielders in the competition at the moment. Top 10 mids for sure. Kane. Um, uh, Port Adelaide. This was not an easy win, but they got the job done at the MCG. I'm so jealous of Port Adelaide. I'll tell you why. They are set for the next 10 years in their midfield, at least. Butters, Rosie, Horn, Francis are all generational talents. And they're all 23 and under. And they're all at Port Adelaide. If they can hang on to those three boys for the rest of their careers, um, they won't miss finals too often in that period. I'm serious. Like the, the Butters especially, um, he's now leading the coaches award. Um, and unless he drops off in form dramatically, he's probably going to go on and win it. Um, how's he going to go in the brown load? It's taking him a, six weeks or so to sort of really get moving, but um, he's definitely a chance of winning that as well. Um and obviously, Rosie's playing very, very well, and um, Horn France is playing very, very well. So um, I'm just unbelievably jealous of this young midfield that Port have been able to put together, and they got you know some other young talent around the rest of the ground as well. Um, and they are definitely at the moment the number two seed in the competition. Um, some very, very hopeful news coming out of Port Adelaide during this week as well. So. Jeremy Finlayson's wife, I believe her name is Kelly. A lot of people will know that she's got terminal cancer. It's very, very nasty. Um, but uh, in the last week, she had a scan that came back um, showing nothing, um, which does not mean at all that she's out of the woods, but that is incredibly positive. Um, incredibly positive. So, God, just... just Continue to wish them all the best. And, um, yeah, as, you know, they're both doing it very, very tough in their own way. She's obviously doing it very tough having to, you know, deal with it personally. But, um, you know, he's, you know, he's got a very, he's got it very tough as well. And then he's going out and he's playing really good football, Jeremy. So, 
uh, just fingers crossed that the good news continues for them. I really, really hope that she um, comes through all right. All right, West Coast and Essendon. This went about as you think it would go. Essendon by 50 points in the end. This was a bit better from West Coast. Definitely better than the week before. Still 50 points isn't great, but they sort of... that They played more the way that you think they want to play. They're still just missing all of their players, so it's it's hard to get a read on anything. But it was better. It was definitely better. You could see it, that it was better. Um, i got to give a, some credit to Oscar Allen. He's he's kicked thirty odd thirty ish goal. I, I should have checked. He's doing very well in the goal goal kicking this year. Um, he's top ten in the Coleman for sure in a team that's just getting fucking destroyed every single week. Um, so you you can't imagine how good he'd be going in a team that was going well. Um, really really impressive the season he's having given the circumstances. Um, Essendon. That, that Nick Martin, that preseason pickup from last year, can play. What a game from him. 31 touches, I think, playing, I mean, technically on the wing, but he was everywhere. Um, really, really, really impressive game from still a pretty young player. Um, yeah, just what a what a find. Just just a preseason supplementary pickup. What a find. Really, really good. And another player I want to mention is Dyson Heppel. So the last couple of years, probably, he has not been at his usual standards. He's getting a little bit older, so that's fine. But his last three weeks have been excellent. Like, really, really good. And it just, he deserves recognition because when older players start to drop off, everyone's like, oh, they need to retire, they need to blah, 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 blah. Um, but then when they start playing well again, it's very rare that they get recognized unless they're like a superstar. So I just wanted to acknowledge that his last three weeks have been very, very good. He deserves uh, some credit there. And then the last game I'll, I'll mention, last game of the round uh, that I need to cover, Collingwood versus North Melbourne. Um, again, went about as you expected. Pies get the job done by six goals. Um, side bottom's 300th, and then he's gone and done his knee. He's done an MCL, like, a minute into the game or whatever it was, which is just about the shittest luck he can have. That's just terrible luck. Um, he, he's, you know, been an amazing player for a long time. Just as an opposition supporter, when I think it's still side bottom, I think every time he touches the ball... You just go, oh, I can't wait for him to not be touching the ball anymore because he's just, his decision-making is brilliant. He is so damaging. He kicks goals. He runs all day. Um, Just an absolutely brilliant player. And anyone who gets to 300 games uh, deserves to be celebrated because it's a serious achievement. And it's also a serious achievement when you're, uh, an American who didn't know what AFL was. You'd come from a basketball and soccer background. It is an enormous achievement to reach 100 games. Mason Cox played his 100th game on the weekend, which think back to that Anzac day when he debuted. Who thought this was going to happen? That this 211 centimeter Texan would play 100 games of AFL football. 
Um, he's become an amazing ambassador for the game, and he's a, he's not a bad player. People like to give him shit, but he can play. He can seriously play. Um, his whole career will amount to more than that 2018 prelim, um, where he got the pies basically single-handedly into the grand final. Um, because he can play. He can seriously play. He, he He's underrated, I will say. Um, North Melbourne have been pretty good the last two weeks under Rats. Um, haven't been belted. I think it was about 30 points last week as well, so that's really good from North as well. Uh, and as I gave a lot of credit to Oscar Allen at the Eagles, I've got to give credit to Nick Larkey at North. He kicked five on the weekend, and he's continuing to play really good football in a team that is struggling. So credit where credit is absolutely due there as well. All right. That is about the, that, oh, that is about it for this week, guys. Um, gee, I'm knackered. I'm a little bit out of practice. Oh, doing these, my bum sore, doing these podcasts, having three weeks off, but I'm back. And this next few weeks will be good because they're all by rounds so there won't be as many games for me to go through so it won't be as taxing on my little voice <laughs> um big call haven't been doing the big call last few weeks because i haven't been doing the podcast last few weeks my big call for this week is not about the season overall it's just about this week coming i was looking at the fixture looking at the games i was like oh that gold coast adelaide game is going to be a beauty up in darwin my big call, Gold Coast win. Gold Coast will beat the Crows. I know that is sort of contrary to what I've said about both of them <laughs> in the last hour, um, that the Suns will probably not make the eight and that the Crows almost definitely will. <laughs> um, I don't think that, you know, if that if the result goes the way I'm thinking, I don't think that will change what I've said. Um, but yeah, I think Gold Coast in Darwin are going to beat the Crows this weekend. That'll be very interesting to see. Uh, all right, thanks heaps for listening, guys. God, I'm actually exhausted. I forgot how brutal these podcasts were. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you've been enjoying the last few weeks uh, of football that I've largely missed out on. Um, I hope that you are subscribed. I hope you leave a comment or a like or a review or any of those fun things. I hope you tell five people to tell five more people about the podcast. That'd be great. I will see you guys next week. Bye.